0: In the middle of a business crisis, how quickly do you have to react?
1: Immediately. In today's world, we have no time. Everything gets picked up on social media almost immediately.
0: And what if the story is fake news?
1: If that's the case, we're able to really convince the media and sometimes convince consumers that they're wrong.
0: When something horrible happens in your business, how do you control the spin? How often do people forgive you when you tell the truth about a mistake?
2: I think a good public relations counselor has to be brutally honest, that's their job. Tell the client to be honest, get the right messages out. Tell them the truth. Plus, can doing your
0: own public relations on social media work? This is The Language of Business, a weekly podcast designed to inform and inspire entrepreneurs and anyone thinking about a startup. Learn about strategies that work and strategies that don't work. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Our host is Greg Stoller, Harvard MBA and senior lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business. On this episode, we look at working with PR firms. Here's Greg Stoller. Thanks, Don. You're in the middle of a business crisis.
3: What do you do first? Work on your spin, call a PR firm, or start to pray? Janie Bischoff is a public relations crisis management expert, and welcome to the Language of Business.
1: Thank you for having me. We need a lot of information, as much information as we can get. So we start asking a ton of questions in order to understand everything that's happened. And clients very often will just focus on one thing but there are usually multiple dimensions to a crisis and we have to get all that information very quickly
3: how quickly do you have to act
1: immediately in today's world we have no time everything gets picked up on social media almost immediately and as a result you have to be prepared ahead of time is this true for small companies as well as big companies Every company today needs to have a game plan, whether they're large or small. Small companies may not be able to survive a crisis as well as large, notable brands like GM or Delta.
3: The facts are lousy for your clients. What do you do?
1: What's most important for companies that are experiencing a crisis is for them to really make sure that they're communicating and that they're communicating honestly appearing as transparent as possible you don't ever want to look like you're hiding anything and acknowledging the situation is the very first thing that you need to do during a crisis
3: let's look at the opposite your clients are getting vilified and it's much ado about nothing
1: well again we need to be as transparent as possible And very often, if that's the case, we're able to really convince the media and sometimes convince consumers that they're wrong. That's a rare situation, but sometimes it does work. How do you define success for your client? In a crisis situation, you want to mitigate the negative as much as possible. So we really want to make sure that we are putting out as much information as we possibly can and showing that the company is empathetic or that the individual in charge, the leaders, are empathetic. A great example happened with Delta Airlines, all of their computers went down and they reacted very quickly and they did a great job they put their CEO out on Twitter on social media with a video and he apologized and he was very clear that this is not the way they want to operate as an airlines they also did something else which was very important they offered customers $200 vouchers which in giving somebody uh, something tangible shows really good faith and customers do appreciate the companies are trying their best and that Things happen and you can't always control them. But when you show that you care about your customers and you're trying to do the best you can and accommodate your customers or clients, it really goes a long way towards the public's perception.
3: But is $200 going to be enough of a consolation when your once-in-a-lifetime vacation got canceled?
1: Well, certainly they may lose some customers, but long-term their reputation was not harmed in a way that it could have been had they not reacted that way and and reacted that quickly it goes to that level of preparation every company really needs to be prepared and have a game plan in this day and age they need to have their crisis team both internal and external set and ready to go because again you need to contact people on a moment's notice. You don't have time to start scurrying around. So you wanna make sure that you've learned from a situation and also if, if it was an operational issue, you wanna make sure that um, the company has learned what they should do better on the operations side or other aspect of their performance. Janie, thank you. Certainly, my pleasure, thank you. Janie
3: Bischoff, crisis management PR expert.
0: Coming up, can doing your own public relations on social media work? But first, when something horrible happens to your business, how do you control the spin? And how often do people forgive you when you tell the truth about a mistake? As the Language of Business Look at Using PR Firms continues. What possible mistakes can you make when using a PR firm?
3: John Hull is the president of JH Communications, and welcome to the Language of Business. Thank you for having me, Greg.
2: What mistakes do people commonly make when they employ you to help them? If you've been following the news lately, I'm sure you have, um, I think sometimes the client can make a lot of mistakes. So sometimes they don't follow the advice of their public relations firms or their counselors. And when they sometimes make mistakes, they don't quickly correct them and tell the truth. What's the difference between a PR mistake and a crisis? Well, I would say a PR mistake is something that you could easily just go in and and ask for forgiveness for. You make a mistake, you admit to it, and people give you forgiveness. I would say the crisis is the culmination of multiple mistakes where you don't ask for forgiveness and then it blows into a full-blown crisis.
3: And what happens when people are in deny mode?
2: When they're in deny mode, they sometimes go into this, bunker mentality and they don't want to accept the truth or they believe their own spin and their own alternate reality. And usually that's where we then go into crises and make even more mistakes.
3: How do you walk the line between wanting to keep a client versus being brutally honest?
2: I think a good public relations counselor has to be brutally honest. That's their job. Tell the client to be honest, get the right messages out. Oftentimes we're the one that has to protect the client from themselves. What is your single biggest piece of counsel for people engaging a PR firm the right way? Tell them the truth. Be brutally honest with them so that when you put them out there, if they're actually the front person and you haven't given them all the facts, when they are then out there and get burned, that's even worse. What are the most common mistakes you see? Common mistakes I often see are one, they don't tell the truth, okay? Two, usually the mistake people make is they have multiple people speaking and there are conflicting messages that end up result you want a one coordinated message to go out there
3: how forgiving is the general public
2: very very forgiving. I mean we all are basically good people that want to give forgiveness. So it's hard though for clients to understand that. They usually want to bunker down. There's this whole former attitude of spin and you know get your message out there, but usually I think people are generally very forgiving and you should just tell the truth. What our parents used to say, tell the truth. It's really not that hard. What advantages do small firms have over their bigger versions? I think the real answer to that is who you select as your public relations counselor. So you can select a public relations counselor from a small firm or a big firm. It's really the person you choose. In a big firm you may be relegated to a backbencher or mid-level, whereas in a smaller firm you may get the principal who has vast experience. What mistakes can a client make when choosing a PR firm? Sometimes a client may choose a public relations counselor that they've read their name in the paper handling other Um, issues and other possibly crises, Uh, sometimes that's not a good thing because usually if you hire that person, everyone associates them with negativity. So now you're associating your brand and your company with the same spokesperson who's handled other controversial issues. So sometimes having the most popular crisis manager isn't always the best person. What mistakes have you made as a PR firm over the years? Sometimes I've gotten into the habit too of spin. And I think that's a common thing in my business. We want to get our client's message out there and we get a little clever and and want to put certain spin on things. And I think it's in this day and age, especially with the internet and the way things are in the 24 hour news cycles, you can't spin anymore. It's a matter of people are going to find out. They're going to see that you're trying to be clever or cute. Uh, And they're going. It's it's going to be pretty transparent that you should just tell the truth. I also remember when I was a younger public relations person, and I remember um, a client I had was on a show like this, and you know during breaks I would go and whisper in his ear, and he said, "Don't do that. You know, I I don't want people to think that you're telling me what to say." So uh, that was a mistake I made.
3: With all of the social media options available to you, which would you recommend the most during a problem PR period?
2: I think Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, and Twitter, um, I think there probably should be a coordinated effort to sit down and think about the message that you want to say. And the other thing too is when you're engage in social media like that, you need to be on it all the time. That's how that type of social media works. Expect to put your message out there and expect to be responding pretty much 24-7.
3: How much repeat business do you get in terms of helping clients through crises?
2: Usually, I mean, that's not the mainstay of my business. Uh, The mainstay of my business is more making sure that the public relations message matches the advertising message. Uh, Someone's newly hired, a new product comes to market, a new uh, office uh, opens, and there's a whole approach to announcing that in the media. But what I've seen is if you handle people during a crisis, your name gets out there and other people will come to you and they'll come back to you. Um, If you told them to do the right thing, tell the truth, you know, have that one coordinated message, speak clearly, concisely one you know, concise message. John, thank you. Thank you. John Hull, president of JH Communications
0: in Providence, Rhode Island. Coming up, can doing your own public relations on social media work? Next, as the language of business looks at using PR firms. Our sponsor is Art Lifting. If you have a small business, or even if you run a Fortune 500 company, you can uplift the look of your office with Art Lifting. Lifting has over 1,300 artworks in a variety of styles and prices. You can buy them or rent them and switch them up on a rotation every month or so. But wait, there's more. All of the Art Lifting art is by artists who are homeless or dealing with disabilities. So you not only brighten and uplift your office, you're helping local communities across the USA. To learn more and view the collection, go to artlifting.com. This is the Language of Business look at using PR firms. Once again, here's Greg Stoller. Thanks, Don.
3: If something horrible happens to you or to your company, how do you deal with social media to fix it? Brent Carney is a communications expert, and welcome to the Language of Business. Pleasure to be here. Is it possible to have a social media strategy?
4: Yeah, absolutely. But it really isn't necessarily about the social media aspect. It's about knowing who you're trying to communicate with, knowing your audience. That's the number one key to success in social media, because it's how you figure out if you're actually being successful with your overall plan long-term. It helps you to determine which social media platform to be on. Knowing your audience is the place you need to start to really build that strategy. Without that, you really have nothing to work with.
3: But when you talk about social media strategy, it's like talking about the cloud.
4: Oh, absolutely. It's this concept that's just out there, but people really don't know what it means. We like to focus on analytics and making sure that works. And that's something a lot of smaller businesses really struggle with. They are on social media, they do it, but they don't really see any benefit. They don't know what they're getting out of it. And a lot of times it's because they don't, they don't ever look at the analytics and being on there and being able to see month over month, quarter over quarter, are you making progress? Where you're going? Those are things you need to do because if it's not working, that will tell you and then you can change your strategy. But again, going back to the audience as being kind of that linchpin, you need to be able to make sure you're reaching the right person because if it's not your customer that you're reaching, you're reaching somebody in Idaho and you really want to reach somebody on the Cape that's a problem, and you need to change what you're doing to make it right. How often should you study
3: your analytics?
4: Well, I look at analytics for the companies that I work with really on a daily or weekly basis. Take that with a grain of salt because there can be so many ebbs and flows in what the analytics show. You have one post that you put up there that catches fire and goes viral, that can skew everything. So, you really want to have a longer term view of it. Look month over month, really quarter over quarter, and judge your progress that way. Don't judge it week by week or day by day. They're pieces of the puzzle, but they're not, you need to look at the whole picture to be able to really be understanding where you're going. Are all aspects of social media created equally? No, and that's why I say audience is so important. Every one of these platforms, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, they have different purposes in your overall strategy. So if you're trying to engage with influencers, Twitter's the right platform for you. If you're trying to reach a millennial, seven out of 10 millennials are using Snapchat, they're the place to go for that. But understanding your audience, understanding your goals will help point you in the right direction. Do one or two of these platforms really, really well before you start to think about spreading out into other areas. So you're not advocating an
3: eight pronged social media strategy?
4: If you're a major corporation, yes. If you're a small business, start with Facebook, get it done, do it right then branch out from there depending on when your audience is. The fact that all of them are ostensibly free, good or bad? Well, they're not free. Let's take Facebook as an example. Studies are showing that only between 13 and 30 percent of your audience is seeing any given post you put up. They have these analytics behind the scenes of their workings on their website that block people from seeing what you post. You need to put in a budget to advertise on all of these social media channels. You need to be putting money behind Facebook ads. You need to be putting money on Twitter as part of your marketing program. Standing alone and doing posts, it's nice. It's not going to be as effective as it could be. And really, it's short money. You can hit a target and be very specific with that target for just a little bit of money compared to some other, you know, advertising platforms that could cost a lot more money.
3: What do you consider to be a great return on investment?
4: I look specifically to make sure that if your audience that you're trying to focus on interacting with your page, are they sharing posts on Facebook? Not just liking them, but are they sharing them and commenting on them? Is your audience retweeting you on Twitter or tweeting back at you? Are the people you're trying to look at engage with you or not? Is there such a thing these days as bricks and mortar social media? When you look at what social media has become, It's a foundation of its own. It used to be that your website was your foundation. Companies have now gone strictly to social media and that's becoming kind of their platform to run off of. So it's an essential business tool now. If you're not doing those things you're missing opportunities. Developing a strategy, getting it down, doing it, being realistic about your own resources. If you don't have the manpower to do enough photographs that are captivating to do Snapchat, don't do it. Do the ones you can with the resources you have and be realistic to yourself about what that is. Brent, thank you.
0: It's been a pleasure. Brent Carney, communications expert. Thanks, Greg. We publish a new episode of The Language of Business every Tuesday. We're available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and tune in and Google Play and Stitcher or just say Alexa, play The Language of Business
3: searching for latest episode of the language of business here it is from my cast
0: we now have downloads in 26 countries colombia and indonesia just came on board and 26 states welcome to new mexico alaska and florida we really appreciate the support our director is mark mandel social media by jennifer powell of excellentwriters.com consulting producer is helen tierney of happy accident productions Audio editing and voiceover by yours truly. Special thanks to Mike Carruthers of somethingyoushouldknow.net. For Greg Stoller and the entire team, I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Thanks for listening to The Language of Business.